uh, Andrew Mills, who's one of our elders here at Christ Center, is going to read this section of scripture. And uh, so let's begin with that. I usually speak in about, um, oh brother, what did they do there? One to two sentence bursts, so this is quite a deal here for 24 (laughs) verses. Anyway, we'll be good. Thank you. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, in Aramaic called Bethesda which has five roofed colonnades. In these days lay, in these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The, man, the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see you are well, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is working until now, and I am working. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Amen. Thanks, Andrew. As I was preparing to share, one of the scriptures or the section of scripture that really jumped out at me and I, and I felt a certain sense. How many of you guys have ever 
been reading the scriptures and it's almost like one section is highlighted, like the Holy Spirit is like, hey, pay attention to this. Seriously, raise your hand. How many of you had that where you're reading, you're like, oh, that's for me today. Come on. And as I was preparing, I felt like the Lord was highlighting this for us, for this family, for us at this time. And it's, it's where Jesus has just healed this man. This man wasn't able to get up and get himself into the water when it was stirred. People would be healed and he couldn't get there. So Jesus comes to him and he heals him. What do you want me to do for you? I want to be healed. So he heals him. And then he comes back afterwards and it says, Jesus found him in the temple and he said to him, see, you are well which is awesome. <laughs> yes, I am. I am walking around. I used to not even be able to walk. I couldn't even carry myself, and the Lord has healed me. And then he says this to him, sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. Ooh. Wow. What does he mean by that? Now, I have to be I don't have to be, but I'm going to be honest with you. I think that based on maybe some of the lenses of the way that I had heard scriptures growing up sometimes, or, or maybe it was the enemy himself. How many of you guys know he's the accuser of the brethren, and he accuses God all the time? But when I've read that scripture growing up, I tended to hear it um, for a lot of years as Jesus saying essentially, sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you, meaning sin no more or God might do something worse to you. Does anybody else, has anybody else ever read it that way? Seriously, like, has anybody else heard it that way? Yeah, a couple of us. Yeah, just sort of like, ooh, like, like God's got the hammer and he's like, look, I already healed you once. Don't screw it up. Okay, and, that, and that's, now, praise God, it looks like either some of you don't feel like sharing openly or some of you are not telling the truth. Or just a few of us have been getting ripped off for years and we're finally getting free. But whatever it is, I, I sort of heard it as though God were the one threatening to do something to punish this person if he didn't stop sinning. But that's not what this says. He simply says, sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. He doesn't give any kind of, a, of, a, of, of insight as though it was the sin that caused this to happen to him. There's no, there's no commentary on that. He simply says, you've been made well, sin no more. Lest something happen to you, lest something worse happen to you. And now, the, now it's predicated on that he is saying there is an outcome, there is a, you're sowing something when you sin and I'm telling you to stop because you might reap something worse from your sin if you decide to keep sinning. There is a repercussion to whatever this man was doing. There is a repercussion to his sin. And he's saying, don't do that, lest something worse happens if you continue in it. You guys see that? Now, the water we swim in right now, the, the world that we live in, this Western place that we have that's blessed in so many ways, but the prevailing thought, the prevailing idea that we live in is, I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, as long as it doesn't hurt anyone else. And the only sin in this current moment, the water we swim in, is to tell anyone else that what they're doing is sin. Right? We live in a pretty, 
pretty open place. Now, I want you to know that actually some of that is a gift from the Lord, that God doesn't want us to coerce or threaten other people, and he wants people to freely be able to choose him in the midst of options without being threatened and coerced. So you know what? Part of that is is amazing. Part of that is incredible that we have that kind of freedom that we don't live in a theocracy where our government tells us what is and isn't righteous, and if you fall afoul of the government, then they actually come down and throw you in prison. How many of you guys are excited about seeing some of the Sharia law that's happening in places where Islam is in a position of of a theocratic government, right? You've seen that. Well, there were times, and America is a response to when Europe was in that place, and the church and 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 the king were together, and they got together, and they had power, and if you fell afoul of what was being taught, believe me, you were coerced and threatened into having the right behavior How many of you guys remember the Inquisition? Well, you don't remember it, but how many of you have read about it? Okay, so what's my point? My point is, is that the freedom that we have is a gift from God. The fact that we live in societies where we're able to make decisions in a space and in a place where we're neither coerced nor threatened, as long as our actions don't go beyond a certain point of damaging my neighbor, then we do have that freedom. You guys, that's actually a gift from God to have that freedom because how many of you guys know he doesn't want slaves, he doesn't want robots, he wants sons and daughters that freely choose him back, amen? So we rejoice in that, okay? But there is a spirit of lawlessness that's in the world that comes from Satan, the adversary, and he comes and says, has God really said there is such a thing as good and bad? Now this is separate I want to live in a land where we have freedom to sin and where we have freedom to be righteous. Are you guys with me? Let me say that. But the enemy is the one that comes and says, however, your choices have no consequence whatsoever on whether or not you will have eternal life, on whether or not you will have abundant life on whether or not you will have access to seeing the kingdom of heaven, on whether or not you will have a clean conscience before God. And that's where we get into trouble. Are you guys guys seeing this? See, we live in the world, but we're not of the world. So we live in this place where the world tells you, do whatever you want as long as it doesn't hurt anyone else. And as believers, you really need to be okay with that. That's simply the golden rule. Love your neighbor as you want to be loved, okay? But don't think that that same teaching is going to cause you to walk in the kingdom and in righteousness. There is such a thing as sin. So the fact that we have freedom to do it doesn't mean it's a good idea. Are you guys tracking with me here? So here's Jesus. He has healed this man who has been paralyzed for 38 years. And he says to him in the face of that healing, you've been set free from your bondage of being able literally not to walk. But I'm telling you, stop sinning or you may reap from your sin something even worse than being paralyzed. My beautiful family. I believe the Lord wants us to hear this today. You have been set free from fear and from sin 
and from death. You have received eternal life. You are no longer in the darkness. You are now in the light. You are no longer under the influence of Satan. You are no longer able to be bullied by him and lied to by him. You now have been given the mind of Christ. You've been baptized through Jesus Christ and you are alive. Now, sin no more, lest you reap the consequences of your sin. Am I saying lest you go to hell? No, I am not. Because you didn't receive salvation because you stopped sinning. You received salvation because Jesus Christ took the penalty of your sin and died and rose again. You received salvation because you simply believed that you could never earn your righteousness and deserve to live forever. You were broken out of the curse of death, which was brought on by sin because of what Jesus did, not by what you did. In other words, you're like this guy, laying there paralyzed, unable to even get to the water. And Jesus didn't make you get in the water, he came to you and said, do you wanna be healed? Do you wanna be saved? And you said, yes. And he said, then believe in me. And you said, yes, and you are saved. Now, born again saints, Jesus would say to you, so stop sinning. lest you reap the consequence of your sin. You see, do you, have you ever noticed that you can't be home with your family, playing a game, and out dealing drugs at the same time? You can't be happily being faithful, dating your amazing boyfriend or girlfriend, and out cheating on them at the same time. They're mutually exclusive. If you're doing this, you're not doing that. Have you noticed this? This is what it's like with what Jesus is calling us to do with him. If you are with me, doing what I'm doing, that's it. You won't be doing those other things. Are you guys seeing this? The point of not sinning is not merely to stop doing really stupid, selfish things. The point of not sinning is that you are doing righteous things. Are you guys seeing this? And I believe that the Lord is inviting us to take him serious that although you will not go to hell most likely. I mean, the Lord's your judge. I'm not your judge, okay? But I would say the scriptures are pretty strong that if you're in the middle of out sinning and you die, that Jesus is like, oh, I wasn't letting you into the kingdom based on you not sinning. No, I'm not gonna cheapen my son's death about as though you somehow earned it to keep it. No, that eternal life was a gift. But here's the thing. You may have reaped death and lost your ability to live on this earth because you were in the middle of sinning. When you died drunk driving, it's because you were drunk driving. 
Sin no more, lest something worse happens to you. If you are cultivating brokenness in your sexuality, and it's starting out as just this little, fun little thing that you do in the dark that you feel kind of guilty about, and you continue in it, it will grow and will eventually, if you don't bring it into the light and stop doing it, it will eventually destroy relationships. Are you with me? If you're doing a little bit too much of this or a little bit too much of that, it will continue to grow. And the word from the Lord is, stop sinning. Stop thinking this is okay because eventually you'll reap what you're sowing right now. And may we not miss the point. Dietrich Bonhoeffer used to call it cheap grace. We have this idea of cheap grace. I can just do whatever I want to do with no fear of consequence because Jesus has paid for eternal life. Well, this, this is, that, that, that misses the point. The point is if I'm faithfully being with the Lord, then I don't need to worry about reaping the results of sin. I'm reaping the results of righteousness. And guys, I want to tell you about one right now, and one of them is simply this. A clean conscience before the Lord. How many of you remember when you first started serving the Lord and you're just so busy looking at his face and being present with him, you were so aware of his presence, whether you were like eating cornflakes and you're just like, Lord, this milk reminds me of the land of milk and honey. I mean, remember, Shannon, when you first got saved and the, and the cottonwood trees were kicking down cotton and you're like, it's like angel feathers, right? And that was awesome. And we're all like, how come we're not remembering to rejoice about angel feathers? I need to get saved again. Are you guys with me? Come on. But what, what can happen is if we continue to try to live in the world and do what the world's doing while also being saved, little by little, we become desensitized to the presence and the peace of a clean conscience before the Lord. We have to literally ignore things that the Spirit of God goes, oh, that grieves me. Like Jesus didn't come and make you into a new creation so you could jump back in that bed with the devil. Are you with me? And so the Lord this morning, I believe, is calling us to take seriously the invitation to rather than being slaves of sin, that we are now literally with freedom choosing it, but we have actually become slaves of righteousness, which means we have a propensity to want to be with him doing what he's doing instead of a propensity to want to be with him doing what he's doing. Can you receive that? I want to just take 30 seconds here and then we're going to go to my second point, but let's just close our eyes for a minute if you would. And Holy Spirit, I want to ask that you just, for each of us, grant us the gift of conviction, of sin, of righteousness, and of your perfect judgment, Lord. Because you've judged Satan, and he does not reign over us. He is not the boss of this world anymore. So Holy Spirit, show us the places where you want us to step into righteousness and out of sin.
Jesus was taking a tremendous amount of criticism because he healed this man on the Sabbath. And the, the leaders, the, the Pharisees, the leaders who were in Israel are rightfully questioning to make sure that Jesus is, actually has the authority to do what he's doing. They can't deny the miracles. They're looking and they're going, man, this is pretty crazy. Like nobody's done this kind of stuff. So there's something going on. So we need to find out, is he actually Yeshua HaMashiach? Is he Jesus the Christ? Is he the promised Messiah? And so they're checking to see, is he doing everything the way that he should to fulfill all of the law and all of the prophets in such a way that he was supposed to and then take us out of bondage, because you, know, you guys know they're literally in bondage to Rome, into freedom. They know he's, he's supposed to fulfill these promises. But they keep running afoul of this because Jesus isn't doing things the way that they expected him to do it. They had built a framework that Jesus was not honoring because Jesus was fulfilling what God said he would do in the way God said that he would do it. And what that meant was he was breaking some of the rules that they added on top of what God said to do. God said, I've given you the gift of Sabbath. They said, let's make some rules to make sure no one ever even gets close to breaking the Sabbath. You can only walk this many steps on, on the Sabbath or else it turns into work. You, you can only, like, they're, like it's it's... Well, and some of us are wired that way, right? Some of us are like, where's the line? Like, here's the line, and people like me are like, okay, so is it, like, how far over the line can you get before you're breaking it? Other people are wired a little more like, well, if there is the line, why don't we get other things in front, and then no one accidentally crosses the line? All right, well, I think the Pharisees were a little further on that side. We won't talk about within my marriage who's where, but anyway. <laughs> that was so dumb. I'm going to pay for that later. Father, forgive me, for I have sinned against one of your favorite daughters. So they had created these rules, and God is breaking those rules because their rules were missing the spirit of what God was trying to say. And here's what I want to tell you guys. Do you want to know when Jesus... And so they, they, they get furious. Instead of saying, you just healed someone. <laughs> I mean, hello, newsflash. The dude was paralyzed, and he comes and says, Jesus... Healed me. And they're like, you're that dude that didn't walk for 38 years. Yeah. And Jesus healed me. And, they, and, and, and like at that point, it'd be like, that's amazing. Jesus, who are you? You just healed this guy. Instead, they're like, well, you're obviously not the Messiah because you healed on the Sabbath and told this dude to carry his mat. So clearly not it. Because you violated a rule we made up. God said not to work on the Sabbath. They said, don't even carry your sheets on the Sabbath. So he's obviously not the Messiah because they're breaking the rules that I made up. Okay. And so that's when Jesus says, listen, I'm what I'm trying to tell you guys is that I am the Christ. And I'm here revealing the Father. And he's being super direct about this. As you know, he says... All uh, God has, my father has given all judgment to the son that they would honor the son just as they honor the father. <laughs> and they're going, oh, not only are you letting people carry their sheets on the Sabbath, but now you're saying you're literally the son of God, making yourself equal with God, and they hated him. Do you guys know when Jesus launched his ministry? I'm going to tell you. On the Sabbath. Let me prove it to you. Luke 4, 14 through 21. This is so cool. 
And Jesus returned. This is after he was tempted by the devil in the wilderness. So he whoops up on the devil through the scriptures, gets filled with the Holy Spirit, returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll, and he found the place where it is written, Isaiah 61, y'all, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The kingdom has come. Today, the law and the prophets, the Torah, is being fulfilled in me, Christ Jesus. I am the fulfillment of every one of these scriptures. (laughs) Come on. And you want to know what's so cool about this? I was just thinking about, so Jesus, oh, there's so many good things. Help me to focus, Jesus. Isn't that a great problem to have? He's just so good. There's so many good things. Jesus comes and fulfills all the promises up to that point, and he's going to fulfill all the promises when he dies and rises again. So he says, I am here, fulfillment of every scripture in the Torah, the law and the prophets. I'm going to now do what this just said, I'm here to die on your behalf and I'm gonna take away the curse of death and sin will not reign any longer for those that will believe in me. And he comes on the Sabbath. When did Jesus die? Do you remember why they killed him on a Friday night? Yeah. He finished the work and rested from his work. And when he rose again, it was on a new day. And what are we invited into? The rest that is brought to us by Jesus who fulfilled every single promise. And we enter into not our good works, but his good works. Isn't that incredible? And Jesus, Jesus Do we need to? Yeah, should we call 911 there? And... All right. Jesus, what do you want us to do? Okay. All right. Well, why don't we pray? Father, we just ask that you'd come right now and bless our brother. We thank you, Father. We ask that you just bring peace, Lord that you would bring this to a place of peace. We bless our brother in Jesus' name. We pray for his health and his wholeness. We pray that this would pass now. Thank you, Lord.
I think we probably better go ahead and uh, we better go ahead and call. Did somebody call? They're on their way, guys. So Michael does sometimes have seizures, so this is not the first time this has happened, but they'll be here shortly. And So the invitation remains for each of us to believe in Christ. The invitation remains for each of us to enter into the finished work that God brought through Christ. And the invitation remains for us to abandon our attempts at creating our own righteousness our own opinions in the same way that the Pharisees had decided how Jesus was or wasn't allowed to move forward, how he was to act according to their judgments on what it should look like, we get to abandon those things and instead become followers of Christ and allow him to tell us how we live this life. Are you guys with me? And as we do that, the rest that we're allowed to walk into is his finished work and his righteousness. And we no longer have to be the judges of everything. We allow him to judge. We no longer have to prove to ourselves or to others what is and isn't being done. We look to him and trust him to lead us through this life. Can you guys receive that? So Lord, I pray that each of us would enter into your rest. I pray that each of us would believe you over our own preferences, Lord, over our own versions of righteousness and reality. Jesus, you came. You have fulfilled the desires and the design of the Father, and I pray that you'd give us the grace to believe you. And I pray that you would forgive us in those places, and even, I, I, even maybe before forgive, Lord, that you would help us to understand where we're wrong and where your way is just better and it's correct and it's right. Help us to see things from your perspective, Lord, as opposed to demanding our own. So we ask for more mercy and we ask for more grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I love you guys and uh, please continue to lift up our brother and may God bless you this week and give you peace. Uh, we'll be meeting, um, for those of you that are interested in the, uh, 
in looking into going to this Israel trip. This is a no-obligation meeting, so if you come, you haven't signed up for anything, but we want to be able to do some Q&A. So we're going to go ahead and meet in the, uh, in the cafeteria. And I'm thinking, why don't we just move that up to, um, would 11.30 work, Will? Okay, we're going to move that up to 11.30, so in 12 minutes we'll be out there for those of you that would like to get some information on Israel. And um, I love you guys. Have a great week.